morning. Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. Good morning. This is Attorney Vince Davis. This is Get Your Kids Back Now. This show is dedicated to keeping families together and to fight the tyranny of CPS and DCFS social workers. A secondary purpose of this show is to educate parents and relatives, or at least to show them where to get the necessary information for their fight. The final purpose of the show is to remind the people that change can be effectuated at the ballot box, at the state and federal levels. Let us unite, vote, and elect those who will make the necessary changes. Today, I want to talk about a case that I'm currently working on, and um, it is a mother who came to me uh, a couple weeks ago, and she was having her hearing, uh, her six-month hearing, her first six-month hearing, and it was yesterday. And it's interesting that um, she believes that she should have her child back. And honestly, I believe that she's a good mother and she would take care of her child. However, the child is still not with her, and we have set the case for what's called a trial of a six-month uh, hearing date. Uh, she lost her uh, initial hearings, what they call here in California is the jurisdictional hearing and the dispositional hearing. And she lost those hearings because uh, her attorney at that time, I think she had a court-appointed attorney, uh, convinced her to plead no contest and to agree to have the child suitably placed in foster care. Um, the first thing I want to tell folks is before you do something like that, you should get a consultation or two to make sure that you don't waive your rights to a trial. Uh, in this particular case, having looking back on her file, she had some very viable defenses to the allegations against her. But once she pled no contest, she basically admitted that, that some or all of the allegations were true. And she gave up her right and she pled no contest. So the first thing I want to tell people that are listening today is, if you're a parent and you're coming up on your jurisdictional and just make sure that you meet with your attorney, either your private attorney or your court-appointed attorney, and discuss strategies on why or why not uh, you should be pleading no contest to a uh, jurisdictional or dispositional hearing. The other thing I want to mention to people about that, because this happens a lot in counties that I go to here in California, you show up on the day of the trial, and there's a brand new report, and it contains brand new evidence against you. And generally, what I see happen is people will tell, or attorneys may tell their client, well, you know, they have this evidence against you. You're going to have to plead no contest. The problem is, is that those reports are due, I think it's 10 days before the court hearing. And them showing up with new reports is tantamount to trial by surprise which in my opinion is uh, unconstitutional, uh, not only in California, but probably unconstitutional federally, which would make it unconstitutional throughout the United States. So don't be pressured into uh, doing something at the time of trial because someone came up with some surprise evidence that was a report. 
uh, it's not supposed to work that way. And often that evidence is used to convince people to plead no contest on the day of the hearing. Now, the jurisdictional and the dispositional hearing are the most important hearings in the juvenile dependency process especially the dispositional hearing, because if you lose the jurisdictional hearing, which is whether the allegations were true or false, the department or CPS still has to prove by clear and convincing evidence that you're a substantial danger to the children and there are no less restrictive alternatives. Now, it didn't say danger. The law doesn't say danger. It says substantial danger. And you have to be a pretty bad person to be a substantial danger to a child. And I think in a lot of cases, uh, many, many cases, that people, that the CPS agents and social workers could not prove that you're a substantial danger, especially by clear and convincing evidence. Um, the second thing is uh, they have to prove that there are no less restrictive alternatives. In my opinion, there are always less restrictive alternatives. And in California and in most states, because it's all, you know, controlled by federal regulations and federal money, um, they have something called family preservation. And the states get and the counties get money for family preservation. But on a rare, rare occasion, do I hear cases being referred to family preservation. And family preservation is just what it sounds like. It's services so that it can keep the family together, keep the children in their home and not place them in foster care. So if you have a case, make sure you talk to your attorney about family preservation in your county. Now, I, I didn't say talk to your social worker, and there was a reason why I don't say talk to your social worker, because it's my general advice that you should never talk to a social worker without your attorney present or at least on the phone. And the social workers probably won't talk want to talk with you if your attorney is present without their attorney present. And in many cases that I've had, <clears throat> excuse me, here in California, social workers refuse to speak to um, me with their attorney uh, and my client. And there's a reason for that. Uh, they don't want to. They don't want to be impeached, or they don't want anything they said to be used against them at the time of a hearing or a trial. Um, before I continue with the story, let's go to a call. The first call is from area code 562, ending in 17. Good morning. Good morning, Vincent. Attorney Vince Davis. Did you have a yes, question good morning, or Vincent. a story? Well, I thought I'd relate to what you're talking about this morning. Can you hear me okay? Can, can you hear me okay, Vincent? Great, great. Okay. Uh, this this is Bob, and 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 um, I always enjoy your show, and you've been a tremendous support and help to me in my case. Um, what I hear you just talk about is not only did I had to plead no contest in the very beginning, because at that time I had a public defender, I was informed because the police department was involved, social service called the police, and they had similar charges. And the way that the public defender was stating that if you said anything, you're going to get yourself into uh, uh, double jeopardy, meaning that whatever you say can be used against you in your criminal uh, accusations that uh, the police was trying to uh, do. So um, that's where I was going. But what really irked me is that 
when the six-month hearing came and then the 12-month hearing and then the year, none of the hearings ever took place. They always were postponed and postponed and postponed. And, of course, when you came in, you started seeing it. And for the past year, I mean, uh, we, we never did have a hearing. We never did anything like that. So what's happened in my particular case, all your listeners out there, is the word of advice is always have an attorney that is uh, attorney, I hate to say it, public defenders aren't the attorneys because they work for social services. And for a lot of you who don't know that, is that social services gets one law firm for the children, and uh, they don't go out and get competitive bids, so they have the law firm working with social services, and in tune works with the judge in the dependency court, so the judge to social services and that attorney, and then they work with the public defenders. So you got all these entities all working together for basically the purpose of taking away the kids because that's where the money is. Social service cannot sustain themselves without uh, money for the, for, the, for the kids to use for their department and their job and so forth. So it's a really sad and affair to see my particular case, and for some of you out there, it's pretty pretty rough. It's been over two years, and uh, it's going on, you know, two years and uh, about five months. And so now we're faced with the fact that, that our children are being duped by social service. They don't know. They think the parents are at fault. And, uh, and, 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 and the, the crutch of the whole matter, in my particular case, was is not related to drugs or alcohol or because we were um, hurting our children physically or anything else. It was basically financial problems that I was going through as 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 a man providing for my family. I couldn't provide the the, the finances that I once had. I couldn't get a job, and uh, and it's also because of my age. Um, you know, I am still a very talented individual, so I have a clear mind. And uh, I'm, I'm a very hard worker, but because we have an age on you, you rubber stamp that your age fits everybody else's age of that particular period. And when I was talking about the time then when I lost my job after working for over 50 years, I, um, you know, uh, stopped, uh, uh, lost my job through no fault of my own at age 60. And now I'm age 67. And um, I'm just uh, completely how can you say demoralize in the fact that it seems like nowhere I go, no matter what I do, it gets worse and worse. The latest right now is that social services decided to uh, file a lawsuit for child support. I've never heard of such a thing. We're not even finished with the uh, adoption proceedings. We're trying to stop our daughter being uh, adopted by a very uh, uh, bad person that wants nothing more than the money that they think they get from social services. And so now with the fact that we're facing this down the road, there's a lot of turns and a lot of things, but the, the hardest part is, is trying to keep focused, trying not to lose your, your sanity because you think you're like a, like Alice in Wonderland, you went down a hole and you're going through all these weird uh, episodes and it's like, uh, social services keeps hammering you with activities after activities after activities, and it's so hard to even try to get a job. You can't tell your employer that, oh, by the way, I have to take off Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, this week, or next week. They they were so bad in one respect is that at uh, 
at 11 o'clock, they call and say you have to be in court at 1.30. And so uh, it's, it's like it's the most ludicrous system I've seen. Um, it's gotten, I think my particular case has gotten anything weird that could happen, could happen weird. Um, we're loving parents. We love our children. Um, uh, the thing they were uh, accusing us, they don't even accuse us of it anymore. They don't even, uh, they don't even realize what they uh, found us more than 50% guilty of. They don't even talk about that. They keep alleging other things. And I don't know what these other things are. They keep masquerading them. And the last thing was hearing this judge sit there and say that the parents, and he said this in court, which is the most, uh, horrible thing to hear how the judge feels about the parents, and uh, we very we very studious show up every court appearance, every court time. I think only one time I didn't, and that's because I had to go into the hospital for four or four days, and that's the only time that I missed the court thing. And uh, but um, it's like they don't care; they laugh in court. It's it's funny how people think it's really funny in serious business to sit there and watch these so-called professionals that are placing a map for our children. Our children are loving children. Um, we have three children, and uh, youngest is was nine at the time. Now he's eleven. The next one was twelve at the time. Now it's fifteen. The other one was um, uh, was uh, a fifteen. Is now seventeen. And uh, um, we, after two and a half years, finally, our oldest son, who's I'll be 18 this uh, Monday, uh, woke up and uh, finally realized that he fired his attorney, got another attorney there, and he's telling social services, stop it. You guys are wrong, wrong, wrong. Uh, social services, I, I hate to say it, is bad from the top all the way down. I've dealt with the top of CFS in Orange County. I've dealt with... Uh, all his uh, supervisors, I've had numerous meetings, had lots of letter writing, uh, things like that, and they're on a vendetta program. They want to nail uh, me and my family, and all I've done is that they've demoralized. We have a, this young son who has a school of origin, and they've taken upon themselves now to uh, say the child cannot go to the school of origin. He has an IEP, which is a specialized program that is geared up with that goes from his elementary school to his middle school. And now because they decided to move him uh, again into foster care, uh, the biggest thing I see is don't let them break up your family. What happened was is that our family was in a group home, but it got to the point where the group home was so bad. And by the way, that particular agency, uh, Boys Town has been fired from Orange County. They no longer can run the group home. That's how bad they are. And so, um, they broke a point where they took my t our two boys and uh, put them in another foster care, put her daughter, we thought, with a family member who's going to be supportive. Instead, this family member has turned completely against. Uh, the family member is financially broke. She sees an avenue to get uh, the money. And then on top of that, she um, has all these problems. Uh, she has uh, lupus. She has um <clears throat> eating disorders, and she has a lot of things like that. And so it's really been kind of hard um, to deal with that. Um, and so I'm trying to share with everybody out there that the most important thing for you to do is no matter what, get an attorney. That is the key. And I'm talking about attorney, yes. 
it's it's hard because financially it's hard to go get an attorney because it is very very uh, expensive uh, because when you have two attorneys show up and they spend a day at the um, at the um, uh, court it ends up being uh, like uh, uh, um, uh, uh, a long uh, a lot of expense and so I'm leave it there. Uh, thank you very much for listening to me, Vincent, and uh, thank you for all your help and hope all your listeners, you get your children back. Well, thank you very much for sharing your story. We really appreciate it. The next call I'm going to take is from uh, area code 909, ending in 4-3. Good morning. You're on with Attorney Vince Davis. Did you have a question or a story to share? Hello, good morning. Okay. All right, maybe that person is just listening. Uh, and want to share. You're not 909, are you? Well, then say hello. Yes, hello? yes they are, 909. Hello, this is Attorney yes. Ed Davis. Yes. Hi, how are you? I'm, I'm doing can you fine. hear me how okay? How are you doing? I'm not doing very well. My team. Okay, good. Um, so I'm in the middle of a CPS case. Um, unfortunately, two years ago, I become really ill, and uh, my husband of almost 11 years started using meth. Well, I'm I'm assuming he's been using it a lot longer, but it became very uh, very heavy as a user and. Um, anyways, in October, um, in April of last year, the day after Easter was when I found out for the first time that he was uh, using drugs. And so my children and I had moved into my parents' house. Uh, after about a month and a half there, my parents, is a very, very toxic home. And the children I left and we had nowhere else to go but back home. And then in October, my husband had relapsed and um, had threatened to kill me in front of the kids. He is a convicted felon of attempt murder and assault with a deadly weapon prior to our marriage and had illegally bought um, several AR guns and over 2,000 rounds of ammo. Kind of jump forward, he was arrested two days before Easter of this year um, on those charges. Back in October, we separated. CPS got involved. I had gone to my daughter's school and told a person who I knew was a mandated reporter um, about my husband and CPS team and forced him to leave the house, which then took the burden off of my shoulders. And um, February of this year on Valentine's Day, uh, actually, sorry, on Super Bowl Sunday, I went to my church because my their father was had come back and was having a heroin user around my children. I was not there. And when the CPS worker said for us to separate, he said there was nothing I could do to get the children away from him. They found him no danger to them. So while I was in the hospital, my their father had them and had this bad drug user around my kids. So when I got out of the hospital, I went and I picked up my kids and I went to the pastor at my church and I told him that, you know, we need to go to a safe place. Before that, I had called several shelters for women and children 
and due to my health issues or the fact that they were full or to the uh, um, extent of what was going on, they were not, we were not able to go. I had tried getting a restraining order a couple times, but because there was no physical abuse or police report, because when I would call, if there was no proof of anything, I couldn't get a restraining order. I even went down there to the auction house. I, I mean, I've been in contact with the police and everything. Well, our divorce was completed um, in April of this year. So in February, when I went to the hospital, my mom came and took my children and called CPS. That night, I was told I was not allowed to see or speak to my kids. And so I spoke to the social worker, which I eventually did. And they told me that the allegations against me was that I was a drug user and um, and I was abusing and neglecting my children. Well, unfortunately, well, fortunately, when you're in um, a medical issues like mine, you have a pain management doctor who drug screens you all the time. And I had never even been uh, above the limit of what is prescribed. So I have all of this, these facts. The uh, charges were dismissed in April. I was told that I was going to be in the reunification and family maintenance um, a period. And then um, a week later, I contacted the court appointed attorney, which after hearing the gentleman before me um, and how they work, that um, the CPS opted not to do that. So at that time, I've had everything dismissed. Now being told I'm not going to get my kids back, and I still have yet to have a reason. My uh, ex-husband was bailed out of jail. And he now gets to see our children um, outside of the visitation center. I still only get to see my kids for two hours a week in the visitation center being monitored. Yesterday, I had a meeting with the social worker, my mother, and two counselors and a friend who are all now seeing, um, supposedly my children have been molested where they are. Um, my own mother is trying to take my parental rights away. And the last thing that they have against me is my health, my health issues. I have had 23 surgeries in 15 months. I'm off of all medications except for a Norco here and there. Um, I have had to do random drug testing, which has all been negative because I've never been on drugs. There is absolutely nothing against me and I am having to fight like hell to get my children and I wanna know what I need to do. Your situation is a little bit complex. How long have you been dealing with the CPS court? Um, so originally when they were called, the case was never open from October. So on Valentine's Day, that's when my mom took my kids and that's when it became an actual case, not just an investigation. But I was never investigated, okay, so by the way. Hold on, hold on, hold on. So when I said when or how long have you been involved, You've been involved since February of 2017? Yes. Okay. And where, what county is your case in? San Bernardino. Okay. So in the San Bernardino Courthouse on Gilbert, there are four judges, Department 4, 5, 6, and 7. Who's your judge? Uh, that's a, a male judge, right? It is a male judge, yes. The older gentleman. Okay. Okay. Yeah, you're, that's Department Five. Uh, 
Um, when is, do you know when your last hearing date was and when your next hearing date is? I believe the last one was April 21st and the next one is October 23rd. Okay, the one in October, do you know what type of hearing it is? Is it a six month review hearing or is it a, what they call a 366.26 hearing, do you know? Um, well, in April, I was told that because during that mediation, I was supposed to get the kids and then be watched for so many months. And that next court date was to uh, to discuss, you know, whether I need to be watched more or not. So due to the fact that I have not gotten my kids, I don't know if that changes the status of that case uh, uh, that day. I'm sorry. Okay. All right. So this is what do you have a pen and a piece of paper? Absolutely. Okay, I'm going to give you a telephone number, and I want you to call the number today after the show and make an appointment to speak with me on the phone because there's a lot of stuff in your case, and we we don't have time for it in this particular show, but I would be, I'd be happy to give you a free consultation and help you out. Also, I'm going to give you a website where you can go to and download my book, you should go ahead and download that and read that uh, before we meet on the phone on Monday, okay? I I received that, and I've read it, and I will read it again. Okay, so let me give you the telephone number to call, and then you're going to call and make an appointment to meet with me by phone or Skype on Monday, all right? It's 888-888-6582. 888 888-6582. So there'll, somebody, there'll be somebody answering that phone after 9 a.m. today. So go ahead and call. And I think, I, and I want to thank you for your call today and sharing our story. Thank you very much. Thank you. Okay. Uh, we're getting kind of backed up on the call. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take another call right now. It's from area code 602, ending in 26. Code six zero two ending in two six. Good morning, you're on with attorney Vince Davis. Did you have hello, did you have a story to tell or a question to ask? A story to tell. Um Go for it. I have I have a CTS I've had a CTS case since two thousand fourteen. Um my child was taken from me at the hospital. And I've been working to get him back for the last three and a half years. Um, the department had nothing on me but that I have a diagnosis, which is PTSD. Um, I completed all their services. Um, I went to all the classes. I visited with my son. Um, I got pregnant last year, and I had another son. And I had him for four months in in a different state, and the department came and removed my youngest son. Uh, and um, now their allegation is the same thing that they had in the beginning was diagnosis. There is no evidence or of abuse or neglect or that I'm incapable. It's just based off of a diagnosis. Um and I've been struggling to get my kids back. I've lost jobs. I've lost uh, apartments. I've lost time with my kids because that's the most important thing. And my son, mainly my oldest son, has been traumatized by it. Um, 
he's three and a half, he's three and he struggles. He doesn't understand everything that's going on. And I feel that the department doesn't really, they don't really look at how it affects the children. They only want to seek and find and search um, the parents, even if there's not much to find. They sh- I think that they should evaluate if it is going to be more detrimental for the child to be removed or to stay in the home. Um, I do feel that they get pensions and money for our children, um, and they make up lies. There's not, they don't necessarily have to have proof because in the court's eyes, they look like they are, they're the truth tellers. And we are we are the ones lying all the time. Even if there's nothing to back up their story, they can make up the most ridiculous story. If you've never even had drug history, they can say that and, and it's there. Or they can make up that you've been to jail and you have these hits on you and, and it's not even there. So I feel like... The struggle was really, really hard, and for people that have done, have been going through this or have done this, it's all about fighting. It's all about giving your all. Um, first off, get an attorney in the beginning. Get an attorney before it goes too far, because I waited with my first case to get an attorney, and they basically did what they had me lost. I didn't even know what was going on, and I lost my son. Uh, He's still not with me. Um, But my second, I made the right decision to get an attorney. And I encourage people to not let them make you feel like you're a bad parent or make you feel less than or um, that you can't get them back because there's always a way to get them back. Maybe not through just the public defender. There's always pro bono. There's always people that will help. Um, And that's about it. Thank you, Mr. Vince, for hearing my story. Well, thank you for sharing. Well, thank you for sharing your story. I really appreciate it. Now, you said that in the second case, you got an attorney. Um, Did you get your child back? I did. I got my child back the second week. Very good. And and you so, you believe that happened because you went out and hired a private attorney? I do believe that that's why I got my son back. Well, thank you very much for sharing. All right. Thank you. Okay. The next uh, call that we're going to take this morning is from area code... Seven six zero, ending in two nine. Good morning. You're on with Attorney Vince Davis. Did you have a story to tell or a question to ask? Um, I have a question, Mr. Vince. Uh, my daughter has had a case since seven two thousand fifteen, and they stopped her reunification services because she failed to complete uh, what they asked of her. Um, she was an attorney every time she went into court, which I believe is wrong. That's not fair and adequate legal representation. Um, They're looking for guardianship with our family, and 
the one family member will not give them back. Um, it's not fair to these kids. Um, from the very beginning, they violated the warrant that the judge issued uh, because they actually took them from me. The mother went into a program because she knew that they were going to accuse her uh, of these allegations. Now she has a second case. Uh, she got married. We asked the attorney to file a change of circumstances and who we thought was the attorney. She says, well, I'm not going to do anything until I know what the caseworker is going to do. Um, she's just not getting fair and adequate legal representation. And I don't believe that it's fair. They've separated her husband. The charges on this case are against her husband. But he has custody of the child, and they have separated them based on her previous violence. Uh, she had misdemeanor um, child injury. Uh, she took a plea bargain to get out of jail because she couldn't find me for 17 days, so she thought maybe I was dead. And so she went ahead and took those criminal charges, which the social worker put up against her. She went into mediation without an attorney present, and they pretty much told her, you sign these papers or we're going to put your children up for adoption today. The CPS caseworker never helped her successfully complete her case plan. All they did was give her visits and bus passes. Um, I don't think it's right that they're uh, separating her from her children, uh, her new child, even because they're basing it on the fact that she had the previous violence with the other child. It's been over two years. There have been there has been no violence. She has had supervised visits with CPS. She has had supervised visits with family who have written letters and said she is nothing but loving towards her children, that they have good visits, that the children are happy to see her, but they are sad when she leaves. They have a fit because all they want is to be with their mother. And they lie. They absolutely lie. And, you know, we don't have the funds to go out and hire an attorney. We've tried to find pro bono attorneys, and we can't. You know, um, I, I did go to law school for a while, and at this point, you know, I'm afraid to file a Faretta motion to fire the attorney based on incompetence because she has not had the one single attorney the whole time. I've been advised file a motion to have the children returned to her due to a competent incompetence of the attorney during the previous case, um, a motion to vacate teaching of reunification services due to incompetence of attorney on the previous case, a motion to set aside the current order separating her from her and her husband. I don't know what to do. Um, you know, he's what a county newborn. is your case in? It's in San Bernardino. It's uh, in courtroom six. Okay. And now, I've had experience with the. I've had experience with with the judge in courtroom six. He's a very fair judge, um, but you have to have a, a, a good attorney uh, to make the legal arguments for you because uh, my experience has been he does try to follow the law, 
but if the arguments aren't made, he's not going to, you know, make them for, you know, your daughter. Right. So um, she has a court. She has a court-appointed attorney right now. Yes, she does. And every time she goes into court in the past uh, 26 months, she's only had one attorney show up twice. Other than that, she doesn't even know who's going to be appearing in court for her. And right now, due to her health, she's appearing by video court. So she doesn't even get to talk to her attorney before court. They do nothing for her. um, When is the next court hearing? Uh, the next is for actually for mediation, and they haven't even given her a date. They call her and say, okay, we're going to have mediation today. Well, that's it's not ridiculous. Good. No, it's not. So did you, write down, did you write down the telephone number I gave the prior caller? I did, sir. Okay. So at nine, after 9 o'clock this morning, I want you to call that number and make an appointment to speak with me on Monday, free consultation. Okay. Um, I, Based upon some of the things that you said today, I have a few more questions for you, and I have some suggestions. It's just that we're limited, you know, on time today. It's only, a, you know, an hour show. But I would right. be willing to help you and not charge you, and uh, I hope to speak to you on Monday. Okay. Could you give me the website so I could read the book, please? Certainly. It's fightchildprotectiveservices.com. Fightchildprotectiveservices.com. You can go there. I got a lot of videos that are instructional for parents and families, and I and I have a book that can be downloaded as well. Okay. Well, thank you. God bless you so much right. for the job you do. And for everyone listening, You know, may God help you all get your children back because there are times when CPS is just wrong, and when they do things that are wrong, it needs to be brought up in court. All righty. Well, thank you very much for your call. Bye-bye. Okay, I'm going to take another call. Um, It's a blocked call number, so I'm just going to say. Yes, good morning. Hello, you're on. Good morning. Did you have a story to share with us or a question to ask? Um, I have a solution. I I would really love to speak with you at length about solutions to this uh, 42, 43-year-old mess that all these people, especially the children, have been suffering. Um, I'm a grandparent. Um, I lost my three grandchildren through this illegal, immoral process. Um, It was because of the lies they told to us told about us, the evidence that they altered, ignored, or destroyed, it drove my daughter to suicide. My daughter was not the only parent I have found that has contemplated, attempted, or succeeded at suicide because of the court system taking away their children. So I have studied the laws and I've listened to a multitude of people, and the only way that this is going to be solved is through legislation, and we need to dissolve the process, abolish the administrative hearing process as it stands in both the family, parent versus parent, and dependency 
child and family against the state. And I would like to give families, one, two, three generations of families, their rights back, their fourth and 14th amendment rights back, where they meet with a round table of active or retired law enforcement, teachers, physicians, psychologists, um, and people that represent programs that provide services for housing, employment, education, and that the money that is being pushed into foster placement and this myriad of other social services, grant-funded, kinship, parent center, all this goes back into the families like this one gentleman earlier was mentioning, it's called economic discrimination. So I would really like to speak with you, find out what legislation is in place, match it with ours. It's happening in other states like Texas and Kentucky, but we really have to abolish this administrative hearing process. Um, we have an art show here in town that's called Bloss, but it's actually Stolen Childhoods and nothing screams system abuse louder than this art exhibit that is created through the hands and the words of former foster who are now aging out of the system. It's funny, when you hit 18, you age out of the system. You never age out of a family. We need to reunite these kids with their family. And uh, we have a program we're starting up, it's called Family Restoration Project to get these children back in touch with their family and mend the bridges that CPS destroyed. What do you think, sir? What state? I think that's a, such a great idea. Um, and part of the uh, purpose of this show is to help organize people to vote at the state and the federal levels. Um, because I agree with you. The only way that we can effectively make a change is through the ballot box. We're going to have to elect legislators and Congress change the way the laws are set up. I'll give you an easy example. Someone said to me this week, what, what would the first law you, wanted, you would want to change? And I said, well, the first thing out of a, a long list would be to give parents the right to have a jury trial um, when they take their ch when they when they lose their children, because I see what I believe so many um, bad decisions are being made with in court with respect to children, and it's generally because you know in my opinion CPS gives bad information. I mean I was in a courtroom yesterday where the judge made it clear that he was making a decision based upon the report that CPS had written and submitted to him. Now, I happen to know, because uh, I represent grandparents who are actually the caretakers of the child, that probably 50 to 60% of the report is false. I'm not talking about exaggerated. I'm just talking about it being straight out to be false. But I digress. You have an excellent idea. Um, and I'd love to speak with you. Did you um, write down the telephone number I gave out earlier? Triple eight, triple eight, six five eight two. 
Yes, call that number after 9 o'clock. Make an appointment to speak with me over the phone or through Skype or Zoom on Monday. What state and city are you in? Oh, boy, we're in the People's Republic of Santa Cruz County, and I'm looking at the, at the paper this morning, and we have had a neurosurgeon and two nurses who are up on child rape charges. We also had a young man who was um, working in child care schools, uh, videotaping uh, young children in inappropriate ways. How in the world did these guys get by CPS? What happened? And the other thing I would like to say to the audience is what we have been successful with is um, I work as a silent witness and I go into uh, these hearings and if we see anything inappropriate, the judges are making decisions. You know, we file reports, but unfortunately when we file reports, it's just, you know, another layer of the evil that we're dealing with and, and they're really not regarded in the way they should be. But I've gone to the uh, mental health board here, and I've taken my group, and I attend their monthly meetings. I'm an ever-present reminder that the source of mental illness, these traumatic uh, situations that begin with CPS, let them know that um, this is going on. And they were totally unaware. They're dealing with the after effects. They don't go, go back to the source, and when we bring to their attention the source of mental illness and behavioral problems in children, adults, and suicide and elders, grandparents being alienated from their families, their grandchildren, um, is a real issue. And now we have the ACEs report, and we, we have Ginger Gentile doing a Racing Families documentary. All this information is just flooding out. And then, of course, there's the Million Parent March happening in Washington, D.C., September 17, 18, 19, and 20. And I would encourage people to uh, organize in their counties and to plan on going to the state capitol on those days if you can't or don't want to go to D.C. to show a presence of numbers. And I realize that when people gather these days peacefully, prayerfully, there's a chance of problems. So there's got to be some way for us to write, stand up, be at county council meetings, city council meetings, and say, hey, we've got a problem with this agency. It is doing more damage than good. My youngest granddaughter was sold, and that's the word I use, sold to inappropriate strangers. So I will call you. Believe me, I will call you. And my other groups that I work with, raiseyourrights.org, is dealing with a ballot measure, an initiative to get trial by jury uh, for parents who are in dispute. And just, you know, not one parent's been at this seven years, the other nine years, and the children are the ones that suffer. So I will call you, and God bless to all you wonderful, caring family members out there. Keep up the fight. Keep up the fight. Thank you for your call, ma'am, and I look forward to speaking with you. All righty. Bye-bye. Okay, we have about 10 minutes left in the show. Uh, I think we have time for one more call, and it's going to be area code 925, ending in 29. 
Hello? Good morning, you're on with attorney Vince Davis. Good morning, did you have a oh, wow. story to share? Or oh, wow. Uh, well, I, I was, I, yeah, yeah, yes, actually, I just have a couple of things to say, but I, I, I kept thinking, am I in the queue? I wasn't sure if I was in the queue, you know? But um, anyway, yeah, I just wanted to say, oh, yeah, I just wanted to say, you know, first of all, um, wow, it's just overwhelming hearing all this stuff, first of all. And, you know, I just want to um, just tell everybody that's going through this that, you know, I'm putting out the light. That's what I'm doing, <laughs> you know. And when I first got into this, actually, I didn't get into this, but my daughter did. You know, I saw the direction they were coming, and I said, I'm not coming from that direction. I went to the school of hard knocks, okay, <laughs> you know. I know where you went to school. So I just keep walking away. I said, no, you're not going to get near me. You know, and it's working. So I just wanted to share that and let everybody know that I guess there's a solar eclipse coming up. And, you know, during that time, let's just, you know, surround our children and us with this light, this divine love that God has given us. That's all I got to say. Oh, oh, yeah. Hold on. Uh, I just want... I just wanted to say that the attorney, the the court, the trial court appointed attorney, got up and said, "I'll do everything in my power to keep this child away from his relatives." I was very shocked to hear that because they, you know, she doesn't even know me to, for her to stand up and say that. I just walked in there, you know. So that that to me was uh, traumatic just to hear that, you know, like, "Wow, what's going on?" You know. <laughs> What what county uh, do you live in in state? Uh, I live in California. What county? But uh, I oh um, uh, Santa Cruz County. Okay. But I'm already in, in touch in, with in you, so but I just wanted to. What's that? Hello. And the child's attorney said that. In, yes. Yes, she said. She yeah. The child's attorneys got up in court when when I first went there because before that they were trying to you know keep me at the house or keep me somewhere else. They didn't want me to go in court. But when I finally made it there, you know, she stood up and they said, "Oh, this." And then two attorneys walked out of the courtroom and they said something like, "Oh yeah, she's drunk again." And I'm like, "What did they say? Like she's drunk again? Like what? You know." <laughs> And but as time went on, it sh it was, you know, she called in one time because she couldn't be there, and they said she's drunk again. But she, but they didn't let my attorney call in, but they let her, you know, her call in. So, you know, I just didn't want to be part of that anymore. It was too, too, uh, some somewhere where I did not want to go. I just came in from a different direction, you know, and it was hard. But I'm holding up. And I just want to say thank you, Mr. Davis, for everything you do. God bless you. Well, thank, thank you. For, thank you for your call. Okay, I'm going to try to take one more call from the Bay Area in California, area code 415, ending in 03. Uh, yes, hi, Mr. Davis. Yeah, I, I had a question, question to ask. Now okay. I got a question to ask you, um, basically about the California Judicial Council and the Los Angeles Superior Court. What is your take on the Senate Bill SBX 211? 
Um, I'm not familiar with that bill by number. What is it? Um, basically, where the judges aren't, you're not able to hold them liable for anything they do in a courtroom. So no matter what they do, well, they'll have immunity. Generally, judges do have immunity. Um, or is this giving them more immunity for what they do in the courtroom? Well, well, I'm not sure. I, I just heard about this actually last night, and I was watching how they um, arrested the guy that um, confronted the judges and kept them in a jail for a whole, what, 18 months, was it? Wow, I didn't hear about that. But let me give you my general thoughts. You know, it is a very difficult subject, um, this whole issue of immunity for people that operate in the courtroom. And the problem is, is that when you t give people immunity, like in California, uh, social workers have something called qualified immunity. Uh, when you give people immunity, there's a danger that uh, there might be some abuses of power or authority. So it's a very fine line that we have to walk as a society in uh, administrating our judicial systems. Um, I'm not familiar with the, and I apologize, I'm not familiar with the bill that you mentioned. Um, after the show today in our post-production meeting, I will definitely Google that and try to learn on what that's about. And if you want, um, you can call into the show next week and we can ha continue this discussion regarding judicial immunity. It's a very important subject because it's a very fine line that we have to walk. Where, what uh, right. county are you in? Um, I'm in San Francisco. I'm in San Francisco County. You know, I am aware that there was a uh, big protest up in uh, San Francisco Juvenile Court in the past couple of days. I saw it on Facebook, and um, one of my clients, who doesn't even live in California, in San Francisco, I saw her there protesting with other parents. Uh, the unfairness of the CPS system in San Francisco. Were you aware of that uh, that public uh, protest? No, I wasn't aware of it. But what what I think that what I think that the parents have to do is they're going to have to start stripping these um, these the, they're going to have to start stripping them from their titles and start going them after their person being meaning don't go after the judge go after who who's, she's acting as a judge. It's a person acting as a judge. So you need to hold her liable from her first and last name and stop representing yourself as a defendant and go put a claim in and go to the higher authority. And you have to keep going up the food chain. I think that's the only way it's going to work. Because if you stay being a defendant, you'll never win. You know what? I, I, I can't say that I disagree with you, but one of the other things, that we have to consider is our power to vote as a group. Obviously, we have True. to change laws. We have to we have to vote in better judges or more family friendly judges. And so, our real power as people is uh, the right to vote and to vote together. So, I want to make sure that all of our listeners are registered to vote, and that uh, in the future we'll be talking about. Uh, different elections and different uh, people that we we support with the elections and different uh, judges to even support uh, or people running for judges that we would like to support in the different states and counties. So, sir, thank you for your call. I really appreciate it. 
Hi, visit. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay, we have about three minutes and 30 seconds left. I'm going to try to take one more call because there's a lot of people in the queue this morning. Um, this is area code 562, ending in 48. Good morning. You're on with attorney Vince Davis. Did you have a story to tell or a question to ask? Good morning. Uh, yeah, this is Daniel. I just, um, story to tell. The system is just uh, such a roller coaster, and I just want to say that I appreciate you and your whole team. You really need some experts. Anything you go into, you need experts. And simple thing like a car, different things you can kind of figure out. But this, you really need uh, some backing, someone that really knows what they're doing. And anyone that doesn't have anyone out there would be in big trouble. And I've experienced that from the beginning. I had a public, uh, I keep saying public pretender, but a court-appointed lawyer, and then I had another lawyer after that. I went paid an attorney, but this wasn't his specialty. He was family law, family matter, and it just drug on and on and on until got a hold of you, fortunately, and you guys got everything shut down. I got my child home. Now I'm, uh, CPS is, uh, leaves things messy and dirty. Now I'm going to the family court process because the mother whom they were going to terminate the rights for the whole time at the last minute decided to leave her rights open. So <clears throat> she went to prison for a few years. So now I'm dealing with that. But uh, just want to say thank you and let you know a little bit about my story. And People really do have to have a professional taking care of their situation with any DCS app or anything of this nature. I want to say thanks again. Thank you very much for calling and sharing. Last few moments we have of the show today, I want to talk about that last caller's uh, case um, because it was a very interesting um case and uh when we got in the case uh I, I saw what was blatant uh violations of his rights by the social workers and what i would consider social workers writing um you know reports that were inaccurate uh, well let's be fair it was, they were keeping his child away from him so we got him his child back his case is closed and he mentioned currently he's the mother is gotten out of jail and he's fighting her for, uh, or, well, she's trying to fight for custody and visit, and we're representing him in that court. But the one thing that I wanted to say is we are also representing him in a civil rights lawsuit against the social workers in the county of Los Angeles. So he wants to hold those social workers accountable for what they did to him and his child, and that's what we're doing. So if any of the listeners, um, have, where their rights have been violated by a by a social worker from the county or the state where you live in, uh, please give me a call and we can talk about a civil rights lawsuit to hold people accountable that we have right now that works. I want to sign off now. Thank you for listening to the show, and we'll see you next week on the radio.